welcome. Uh, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place, but in my case, I feel it has. Because the same gentleman who got me in touch with World War II veteran Caster Salemi, David Danforth of the Veterans Brotherhood's MC, he's sitting just over there, out of sight, but not out of mind, introduced me to another World War II veteran. And so I'm honored to introduce World War II veteran from the Army, Manny Carvalho. Welcome, sir, to Oscar Mike Radio. Thank you. So David tells me all about you, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting really excited. Like, I'm excited right now. I'm, I'm like, this is like Christmas, Manny. Yeah. You're like Santa Claus, and this yeah. is Christmas right yeah. now, talking with you. And he tells me you're just, you know, full of fire and thunder. But you served during a very historic time in our country. Like, I'm driving down here, and I'm seeing the USS Massachusetts, you know, in, in, there in Fall River. What was it like growing up in the, you know, 30s and 40s and then, you know, starting to understand that the United States was under attack? You know, how, how, was, that, how was life growing up like for you? See, it's funny. We were broadcasting from this outfit here. I mean, this section of the city, South Town, that's the way I was born. Okay. And the way the electric plant is now, we used to have a garden and we used to have pigs. All right here. Yeah, all right here. Everything was wide open. There was no gates, no locks, no. Everybody in the 30s, everybody was trustworthy. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I come back from the service, I come right back again here. This is my club right across the street, the Liberal Club. Oldest member there, 97 years old. You're 97. Get out. It'll be 88, 98 October. I'm hope I'm in half as good a shape as you if I get to 98. Uh, amazing. So were, were you drafted or did? Yeah. Oh, so you were I, drafted. I got drafted. When the funny part about it is we got drafted. Took the train down here, Fort Devens. We came in late. And the mess sergeant must have had a date or something. He was serving us that shit on the shingle. So you get on the train to Devons. Now, now, when were you, was it 1940, 1939? 39, yeah. Oh, 39, wow. yeah. They're... My first army meal was that shit on the shingle. And I, I got ptomaine poison in Devon, Mass. I'm just a green one. I never left this city, never left this sector. I wake up, they pick me up on the streets in Devon. I'm in the hospital. They take a, I said, what the hot dog? I was uh, overseas. <laughs> oh, I got all better. Then I went down to Fort Knox, Kentucky. They put me in a tank car. And we were busy as a good Good training, good training. Half the crew would make a foxhole, get in the foxhole, the other half of the crew, we'd, we'd raid the, run the tanks over you. Wait a minute, so you would dig a fighting hole or a foxhole? Yeah. Like a hole? Yeah. You'd get inside? Yep. And the tank would run we'd over run over you, yeah. Why so, did they do that? That was basic training in them days. 
You never, in them days, you never asked. You just did it. Blind obedience. It's all, never, never bother you if the guy goes straight. If you get a wise guy and he turns on your rubbing, he caves you in. So we're going to run barefoot. Then when it says turn to get in a fox, we do Hey, one good turn deserves another. So you're, you're in Fort Knox doing basic training. You're, you're a kid from Fall River. Never been, out, never been out of the state. Never been out of the city. Never been out of the city. So yeah. going to the mid, middle part of the United States must have been a, a shock. Oh, I cried many a nights. Cried, cried. I was 18, 19. I'd never been away from home. Strict Portuguese. You couldn't say shit home. I mean, never say, I swear, the old man give you a backhand, you go home. You couldn't call the cops on your parents like they do today. <laughs> you mention police and them that you'll get another one. Just by mentioning. From there, went to Norfolk, Virginia, got on a ship, went to North Africa. We uh Oran. We ended up uh, we landed in Oran. And the funny part about it, we had this Guy from Abilene, Texas, Johnson. Okay. A filthy guy. Never went to worship. Never heard that word in my life, mother. You never heard it before. And all that's all our guy said. You met me. You met. And there was a lot of us from Mass and, and New Jersey. Didn't go for that shit. Said, Johnson, when we go overseas, you'll never see land. You motherfucker! Before we left, we grabbed him, put him in the in the shower room, got a GI brush, scrubbed that. He come out like a lobster, red, nice and clean. Cut his hair, GI. Oh, you but oh, we're going over. We're just getting up to the rock of Gibraltar before we get to Africa. Johnson comes up for a smoke. Overboard. Man overboard? Man over. Nobody said nothing. We guess all around. Cavallo, Manning, Johnson, Johnson. Captain, Johnson didn't make the trip. <laughs> you didn't get any trouble for throwing your own guy overboard? No. A lot of people didn't, and them day, today now it's like saying, God damn. But in them days, uh, you never called your mother down. I'd kill for my mother and father. So you're on a boat, you're, you're going over. Now, what was the, what, what was going across the Atlantic like? You know, you're in this rough, oh. It was like a toothpick, whoa, rough. Were you Seasick. We was... Seven high bunks. There's 1,100 guys. Small ship. Little Liberty ship. They used to pop them out like anything. If you remember. Yeah, remember yeah. yeah, yeah. Seven high. And if the guys above you got sick, yeah, you was down the bottom of it. Were you guys ever scared of U-boats? Yeah, yeah. Oh, every night, every night. They were all around us. We're lucky we never got ahead. 
So, so you go from Virginia to Iran? Really? Okay. And then from Iran to North Africa. And you were there too, because North Africa is where the Germans were trying to get a foothold, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Iran is in Africa. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the, that's right next to Algiers and Casablanca. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So we were chasing Romo, but he was a smart guy. And the reason they got that uh, that invasion going, they waited until Rommel went on vacation. <laughs> when he come back, oh, he was pissed off at the Fuhrer. That son of a bitch. He knew they were fools. They were telling him they were going to come here. All of a sudden, they went there. Rommel knew that, but he was on vacation up in the Swiss mountains someplace. Oh, was he pissed when he come back, the invasion. So you're in Africa, in the, and that's desert area, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you, you were in a Sherman tank? Yeah. Now, were you a gunner or a driver or a commander? Driver. You were a driver? Yeah. So I served out in, in Yuma in the desert, and it was just murder on the machine. Yeah, oh. How did you keep the tanks going? Every, every shot we got, open them up. Or else we'd stop, get under the tanks for shade. Because they had to be hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, now they're beautiful. We seen them the other day. We went tank place down. Oh, all well, the tanks, beautiful. Oh, oh, nice. But in them days, it was hot. We had a, I saw a lot of times dangerous in there. A guy would get a shell. Load it in there and go down for another one. If it ain't just right, that recoil comes, I see a kid get a, his head crushed right in the tank. Oh, wow. He was off time with the recoil of the 88s we had. Now, how, were, how was your Sherman tank versus the German tanks? Oh, we had good tanks. Their guns were bigger, better, better, better. They hit our tanks. Our tracks, we was all done. But Patton really, you know, matched wits with Rommel. Oh, I mean, they yeah. they were like this, yeah. right? Two smart son of a guns. They don't listen to Patton. Patton says, "Come on, we got him on a run. Come on." Eisenhower and Montgomery. Montgomery's a big screw off. Every job Eisenhower gave me screwed it up. Oh, the first one he gave me. He, he, he almost lost a whole battalion. Uh, Salome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lost the whole thing. But Eisenhower liked them. Well, they, I think they were two quiz. I don't know. But hey, that's not to me about that. So you're, you're, you're driving in this tank. Now, what's it like driving and you've got somebody else, you know, a half a mile, a mile away firing shells at you? And your commander's saying, hey, we got to go get them. We hope, What's that just, like? Scary. It's got to be. I'm just hoping the captain, which is on top of the director area, and the gunner can hit something so I can get through. And, and did the sand affect how the tank drove? Yeah. Now, what was that like? Oh, bumpy, bumpy, bumpy. So you're bumping along. How, how did the gunner get rounds... He he, uh, he 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 does. Uh, I mean, he figures that in that. Okay. 
Yeah. So you're driving, you're trying. Did, did you ever, did your tank ever get hit? No. No, I was lucky, lucky. Wow. I was lucky two times. Okay. Yeah. So after that, after that innocent, Pat was gone like anything. He's right on road, uh, uh, the desert fox tail. So Montgomery and Eisenhower, hey, he'll be in Paris in no time. That's them pitcher taking it for us to, not him. Well, what, what are you gonna do? How are we gonna stop this cuckoo? Don't give him no gas. Now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. hold on. Now, you don't learn this in the history books. You're saying that Patton was pushing from the south toward Paris. Had, had you all set, you guys are just a line of tanks, and Eisenhower and Montgomery said, well, we want to be first? Yeah, they want to, yeah, get all limelight. Patton didn't give a shit. Patton, a lot of times, the Rhine there, we was crossing. Cool as a bastard. Come on. All the troops on back was that were walking. Hey, General, that's it. He takes off his shiny boots and uh, rolls up. He crosses that goddamn cool as a bat. Come on, you son of a bitches. If I can do it, you guy can do it. Everybody. Good man. Good man. Patton. Yeah, that's what I understand is, is you all really loved following him because he was right there with you all. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. he was West Point, but not only West Point. We had a lot of West Pointers. The drawing boards. Oh, this ain't in the drawing board. What do we do now? <laughs> you got a load of guys in the back. You better hurry up and think. Jeez. Uh, we used to call them 20-day wonders. Guys come with a Second lieutenant, cried, dumb as a bastard. <laughs> so if, if the tanks were hot in the summertime, how were they like when it got cold? They were all right, good, nice and warm. <laughs> oh, that's nice good. Yeah, because that motor, that motor, they didn't have it like they got today. That motor, all that exhausted mostly in the tank. Now they got air, con they got air conditioning, for Christ's sake. They do? Yeah. I seen it the other day when we went. Air conditioning. I don't believe it. So because they had to be, I mean, my trucks got hot in the, in the I mean, very hot. Like, we couldn't even touch them with bare hands in the, in, in the summertime, right? We did too, especially through that Sahara Desert. It was hot as a bastard. But we got shade under the tank. And a lot of times you're better off sleeping there too. Now, I want to ask you something. Uh, a friend of mine from Australia said that a lot of Australians were around the area where Patton and you all were. Did you ever run into any Australians? Yeah. Really? I run into them in uh, uh, North Africa, and I run in, into them in Burma. In Burma? Yeah. And how were they? Good, but uh, they didn't give much rations. They used to suck her up down there. I had a, an Australian nurse, Joyce. I spent two years, two Christmas with her. <laughs> I was the only enlisted men could go in there. They had a big Punjab uh, warrior, an Indian guy, goddamn big god duty. You sign the chet, they call it a chet blackboard. 
Sergeant Manny Cabala wants to see Joyce, Joyce, what you call? He goes, and okay, oh, all right, go ahead. And she says, no, you better hit the road. He pulls that thing out. <laughs> so you're, you're pushing towards Paris. Eisenhower and Montgomery say, you know, we're, we're, we don't want them going that fast. We'll just take away their gas. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you've got Germans around you. Yeah, yeah. So what do you all do? So they break up our unit. They're going to send us to China, Burma, and India, and supply Chenault with gasoline, uh, aviation gas. See? So, that's the best part. We asked for a ship to. The British again, oh, they screwed us during the war. Send a goddamn old fishing boat, send a troop truck, 10 lifeboats. Six of them was working, four never worked, for 1,100 guys. It's all in black and white, this ain't nothing. You could read the, I had the Arona, the story on the Arona, I had the book. And everything. yeah. Oh, this German is in Crete, next door. Crete, and then North Africa, right there. He's developing this new bomb. Next thing you know, planes are going, boom. One in the front, one in the back. Everybody, oh, 28 lifeboats, they're all rusted, they're all, I was lucky. Life jackets, they had about 100. For 1,100 guys, I was one of the lucky ones that grabbed one. You see how high Big Mamie is? Yeah, yeah. I can't swim. You can't I, swim? That's a that, <laughs> overboard. So you're you're you can't swim, it's going down and you jump into the water? A good thing I got a love jacket on now. Three hours in the water. Diesel I'm afraid of sharks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know that part of the country with that. All I hear is about sharks and that. And the best part of it, uh, a troop ship come by, American troop, seen us all bobbing in the water, kept going. After a while, they, they found out who it was, they busted them, the captain. They did? Yeah, they busted. They should have done more than that, for Christ's sake. Three, four hours in the water, oh, I cried. I feel a shot going to come any time and grab me. But, uh, uh, Another uh, ship come by, picked us all up, we was happy. So you you push toward Paris, they they cut off your gas, they send you to Burma. Yeah. And in a a boat that's not fit for, you know, you you wouldn't take it out there in the bay. Well, England made a lot of dough on that that ship. Supposed to be a troop trip. They sent an old fishing boat. It's in a book that I got it. It's in the book, it's all in there. So did you get to Burma eventually? Yeah, we went through the Suez Canal, ended up in uh, Calcutta, then we went to Bombay, then we went way at the end, Osan, way at the tip. We had a a gas uh, tanks there and they're big ones. So we'd fill up 20, 
55 gallon drums, yep. put it on a truck. Uh, we go through Burma up the Lido Road. Ooh, the highest spot in the world. Himalaya Mountains. Oh, you went to the Himalaya Mountains? Yeah. Went over into Kunming, dropped that 20 tank, got on a C-47, they were like taxis. The guy started up the goddamn wings to go like that. Oh, I said, here's your oxygen mask, here's your parachute. I said, Captain, sponsored parachute don't open. We'll give you a buck when you land. I'll be dead for God's sake. He has, he had an answer for every problem. So you're in a C-47. Yeah, that's like the big, you know, yeah, yeah, troop transport. True. Yeah. You know? But they use them so much like taxis. They didn't give them enough maintenance. There wasn't on the ground that long because you'd get a convoy, another come, come back, and another come. We were supplying uh, Chinook a lot of guys. Did you ever fight in combat again once you got to where you were going? No, no. Just in Africa? Yeah, just Africa. I went to, the only thing that happened to me in, in Burma, you'd never realize it. I didn't see the head of my, uh, for 20 years. And one day, ooh, I swole up, couldn't pass. Oh, oh we, you should have had that when you was a kid. I'm not Jewish. Portuguese don't do that to their kids. I had to go get a slice, they cut it all out. And I had a, a, a nurse from New Jersey. She was a teaser bat. It's a manic sister. It's small, but it's I, tomorrow I'm going to take the stitches I'm going to have. I dreamt of that and I broke all the goddamn blood all over me. I said to the doctor, Keep that son of a bitch away from me. She's going to kill me. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that for a 19-year-old. You were 19 at the time? Never been out of this city. I was a, I was a goddamn uh, swole picker. We had pigs over here with a power station. I know. We were a strict family, six of us. My mother worked in the mill. Came from the mill over here. My father worked on the railroad. He'd bring the old tires home. We used to use them for wood. Me and my brother, two men saw us, sawing them all up. No time to play. School, work, work. And then you go to the army and you're you know, half a world away getting your equipment worked on by this hot nurse and you're not know, you don't know what to do with yourself. So I never run into a woman like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was a bastard. What did you do after that? After we would come home and then I went work for four of a housing on the projects here. Thirty three years. So what was it like you, you do the wartime, you get drafted, you didn't have a choice, you got drafted. Yeah. And and you know, you're plunge into a tank that you'd never driven before. You're in Africa, you know, driving for your life in this thing. Push to France. No, we don't want you to push to France. You go to Burma. You go through that. What was it like coming home? Oh, see, I was coming home on rotation. I had the points, and I hear all about it. I never seen my mother and father 
since I left for Devon's. Okay. Three and a half years. I never got no fellow, I never got nothing. I used to send them allotments. But uh, all the guys were saying in the States, hey, all the girls, man. No guys were beautiful. Oh, I'm saying, I can't wait till I get to the state. I'm just getting into the Panama Canal. The war's over. I said, that son of a bitch. Couldn't wait till I got home. Ruined your game. Yeah. I figured I was going to get the pick of the litter. Crush a gun out there. <laughs> but you came home and, and did, did you, you know, what did your family think when they saw you after being away from that oh, long? Oh, they were so happy, so happy. Eh? Your mom must have been, you know, oh, overcome. Yeah. yeah, she thought I was a goner. She didn't hear from me from a... Uh, and I didn't write no letters, I didn't... You didn't write any letters to your no, mother? Why not? No. I don't know why not. I don't know why not. I didn't want to let them know what I'm going through, but uh, I shut her open by day. That's the mistakes I made. But they're all happy to see me. And did you, did you find any cute girl when you, when you got back? Oh, yeah. Well, it was hard for me to get a girl because I had that uh, swill smell on me, you know, picking the barrels in it. But I used to jump in the cook pond, wash up all the time. There's a pond here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The mills used to run it. Big pond there, yeah. So, you know, you, it, it's 50, 60 years later, and, and, you're look, and we're talking about this now. Do you remember being the tank and the way it smells now, just like it was yesterday? Yeah. It, it never went away. Yeah. And then the height jumping off came back to me. I went the uh, 4th of July, watched the fireworks down on a big Mamie they shipped. Uh, the vets brought me up there. Up the top. Oh, beautiful view. I get up to the rail. I shake. I grab it. No, give me a seat right away. Didn't want anything to do with it. No, just the height. Remind me the, the one in Africa. I can see that happening. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I'm learning from talking to you and Castor is... You got people like David Danforth from the Veterans Brotherhood Motorcycle Club, you know, coming here, checking on you. What's it like to have these younger guys? Oh, yeah, I love it, yeah. They're a good bunch. They're, they're, his, especially his, his gang is a nice guy. But I got uh, Pine Street, uh, the different uh, vets. Uh, they, they're going someplace, always include me. Always. Give me a call, man, and we're going to send a car for you. Got nice, nice people. Nice, nice. So you've seen not only the country change, you've seen tanks oh, change. Oh, yeah. Have you, you, did they show you the newer tanks, when, you know, ever? Not the brand new ones, but we've seen a lot of new ones when we went to that museum. I never see a tank with air conditioning. I can't Some imagine that. Yeah. 
I, I still, I'm still getting over the fact that they told you to dig a hole, sit in the hole, and we're going to run a tank over you. Yeah. You don't sit in the hole, you stand in the hole. You stand. <laughs> yeah. Hey, used to do that in Fort Knox. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they still do it. That's, I, that's 90-something years ago. I don't know. You'd have a hard time convincing me to stand still. You wouldn't still. get a kid in there not <laughs> But in them days, hey, what the hell did we know? What the hell did we know, for Christ's sake? He gave you an order, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. So you're turning 98 in October. 1924. 1924. Wow. I was born in 72, to give you any idea. It's just, you know, all this, uh, it's like Christmas, man. It's like Christmas. Getting to talk with you right now. Um, You know, as we wind this down, do do you have any, I asked Castor this, you know, what would you tell a younger veteran or a younger guy serving now or a woman serving now in the military? You know, based on, you know, you've been in combat with, with rounds coming at you, people trying to kill you. What, what do you tell us now? Be careful. Look around, look around. Don't, uh, a lot of them got killed uh, their own fault. They joking or shooting this shit. When you're over there or in combat, you got to pay attention to what you do. Front and back. And you need somebody watching your back, too, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we had the buddy system anyhow, yeah. How, how tight did your tank crew become over all this time? We always were tight. Yeah? Yeah. You couldn't get that today. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, big change, you know. Everything seemed to be going. Since VNM, everything went down the tube. Did you ever get to meet General Patton? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right at the Rhine. Yeah, big river there. He, everybody said he was this, he was this. You give him a job, that's all he's interested in, getting the job done. Goddamn good man. Had a few more like him, it'd be all right. Do you think he got the short end of the stick? Yeah, with, yeah? yeah. I think he was set up, yeah. Who are we? Who are we to, hey? Well, it's just a very, I mean, you don't hear about these stories from people anymore. You read about them in the history books, and there's so many questions you want to ask and so many things that you didn't get told, you know? Yeah. You know, what well, was it like? Well, like I was, that sink in there, the, the Rona, the government told us they censored that for years. That never happened. Really? Yep. But somebody was smart, they got a Freedom Act. The Freedom Act come in and looked at, what are you talking about? I said, how many men, right off the bat, 600, you lost right away. First burst bomb, 600. And you're saying it never happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the guy sits in front of an electric fan. It all comes back to me now. Yeah, your government's a, hey, I don't sound like a communist, but your government will give you that screw. Oh, it never happened, never happened. That's the worst disaster in World War II. The Indianapolis? That uh, Rona going down. 
No, wait a minute. What, I, I was always told the Indianapolis sinking was was one that was bad. What, what, what about what's? I'll edit this out. This, what's about what about this ship? Rona, Rona. Rona. Yeah, this is the one. There was eleven hundred. There wasn't too many survivors. Maybe about a hundred. Okay. We lost. We the first bomb, six hundred dead. And then when they couldn't get the lifeboats, you were sitting duck. Yeah. Yeah. And the government said, no, no, it never happened. Your own government. So do you have um do you have any big plans for your ninety eighth birthday? They're gonna have a little time over the club across the street. I'm the oldest member of the Porsche Club. Okay. We'll have to see about coming back down and singing you happy birthday. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. All right. All right. You know how to get there, don't you? I do. I do. I've got. I've got. I've got it on my map. I can get there. It'd be an honor. It'd be an honor. And it's just like Christmas, uh, getting to sit here with this gentleman, Manny Carvalho, and talk with him. I mean. I watched what he did in movies, played it in video games, read it in books, but never actually got to talk to somebody who who met General Patton. That's just just rare. Just rare. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, you, know, you know, this really is an, uh, a great moment for me, and, you know, I really appreciate David for introducing us, and, you know, I hope that your story lives on for the people to get uh, to know what really happened back then. Yeah. 19-year-old kid from Fall River. Yeah. Get your papers, and the next minute you know you're in Kentucky yeah. getting run over by a tank. Yeah. There's only two left in Massachusetts. There's a guy living in Arlington and me. Who were tankers? Yeah. Out yeah. of Roma, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this has been a great time. Uh, again, I, I just really welcome these opportunities to talk with these, you know, veterans and people who've served our country during a very difficult time. And uh, there's more coming. So, again, Manny, thank you. You're welcome. I salute you, yeah, and I appreciate yeah. everything you did for us. You're welcome. All right. Well, as we say in Oscar Mike Radio, we are mission in flight. I want to thank you for your time and check out the show post where I'll have um, some pictures of the T, uh, not the T-34, sorry, the Sherman tank, and um, we're in flight. Thank you.